0: You're listening to We, the Aether Podcast with host Adam Evans, within and without. Welcome.
1: Uh, Locke, yeah, did I pronounce that right? Locke Kelly? Is that your... Yes, Locke.
0: It's like uh, Locke Lomond or Locke Ness, yeah.
1: Oh, okay, okay. Very unique name. Yes. Do you have any siblings? I'm just wondering.
0: <laughs> yes, I have. They all have kind of Gaelic names like Kieran Michael and Jamie Kathleen and Sean Owen.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's your background? Uh,
0: so I'm, uh, you know, grew up in uh, New York City area, and uh, my grandparents came from Ireland. In fact, I just got my Irish passport just in case I need it at any point to be able to live in Europe. So, uh, uh, but I grew up, you know, in New York metropolitan area and went to school, graduate school uh, here, and then traveled to India, uh, Sri Lanka, Nepal to do some studies in meditation and kind of cross-cultural healing practices
1: okay very cool yeah i was just wondering from your name because it is kind of unique and if your siblings did yeah. have similar unique names actually i'm half irish as well okay i'm the first one born in canada and my mother came over from uh, ireland in her i think in her teens or something like that and okay raised in cork oh
0: uh, uh, yeah sure yeah. i have yeah. some family in cork yeah
1: yeah, and she actually goes back and forth quite a bit. She's trying to convince me to go a lot lately. So
0: uh, yeah, it's a beautiful place to visit. It's, it's really lovely. The people are wonderful.
1: Uh huh. Yeah, here and then the castles and everything is really yeah. whimsical.
0: Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. really great. Okay, cool. Um, so do you mind uh, just to kick things off, just briefly introducing yourself? What it is you're involved with on a day to day basis? I, I know sure. that you're an author and you have written several books. I'm sure we'll get into that, but um, just for anyone that's not familiar and, and is listening.
0: Sure. Yes. Uh, yeah. So I'm Locke Kelly. I'm Uh, I have a master in divinity and a master's in clinical social work, so I live in New York City. And uh, right now, I mainly travel around teaching um, a kind of synthesis of wisdom traditions, meditation, uh, psychotherapy, and neuroscience, which are all areas that I studied. Um, I'll tell a little about the background, but uh, my sense is that what has been called awakening – Um, in the wisdom traditions is actually a stage of human development that's available to all of us and that we've learned so much about um, so many things in the world about how to create a microchip and you know things that I don't even understand how they could come up with that but I've put the same amount of time and energy and uh, interest in meeting the leading teachers and uh, reading the sacred texts, which literally have just come out in the last 20 years, and uh, you know, testing out with groups of people around the US and Canada and uh, and uh, Europe, and uh, have found that there is this shift, not just of a state of relaxation, which is kind of what a lot of mindfulness meditation has been used just to calm or de-stress. but these, these traditions are meant to bring us to what's called awakening. So what is that and how do we do it and what's the shift there? We can probably talk about, but the sense is that it is learnable, teachable, and that it literally goes to the root of suffering. Um, so rather than just treating the symptoms of depression and anxiety as many psychotherapist colleagues uh, do, if you go to the root of, of the identity, and who we take ourselves to be in this kind of small separate sense of self Um, and we know how to upgrade to this um, sense of kind of open mind, open heart that's embodied and interconnected and kind of drops um, into this place of well-being and okayness and flow state really. then there's this opportunity for us as individuals and a culture to kind of upgrade our lives in a way that we can, uh, you know, face a lot of things that are going on in, in our own lives and in the world today.
1: Mm-hmm. And so do your books and some of the events that you hold, are they, are they practical teachings around how to yeah. achieve this, how to start taking those steps towards building an awareness towards uh, this awakening process?
0: Yes, in fact, that's, that's my whole thing is that you know, rather than philosophy and theory and rather than even, you know, kind of sitting up like a guru or a, you know, a teacher that's, you know, transmitting, uh, I, you know, in a very kind of Western practical way, okay, how do they do it? What do you need to do? Let me do it. And then kind of reverse engineer these advanced practices and then uh, create ways for different learning types, different learning styles. People are kinesthetic and visual Auditory um, and literally deliver practical experiential ways, so you can feel uh, this feeling of being in a separate sense of self, and literally feel like your awareness can open or drop, and then feel that you're aware from this spacious awareness and embodied, and and then you know start to be curious about how to begin to walk and talk and then lose it, go back to this other operating system, and then learn to return, and then train to remain.
1: Okay. And now, does this start with conceptualizing the idea of openness and awareness and spaciousness? Like, how does one get to that point? to even under, because some people would be listening to this, they won't know what you're talking about, Exactly. It just completely goes over their head. But then other people will be like, yes, that's it. He's speaking my language. Yeah. So does it, for the people that don't quite understand, does it start with the conceptualization of it, it, the idea?
0: Yes. So there's, you know, there's a little, kind of a new map in, you know, in some ways there's a, in when we kind of find a way to combine, you know, Eastern wisdom and Western uh, science and psychology uh, we kind of need a new map. It's actually a fairly simple map, um, but it's kind of odd at first because it isn't dealing with the symptoms. It isn't saying, okay, how do I feel? Oh, I feel anxious. Oh, well, then what makes you anxious? We'll stop doing that or try to you know, create a positive thought about not being anxious. And <laughs> this model says, Okay, that's all happening with a, within a cloud of your own consciousness, which is this small um, ego-centered or, um, you know, small separate sense of self that you keep trying to clean up the cloud um, and move the pieces around. And ultimately, uh, you really can't uh, bear a fully emotional, sensitive human life from this small sense of self. So it's, basically starts with this model that says, okay, that thought-based identity, even this belief, I think, therefore I am, is actually the problem. That that's an operating system you could live your whole life from, but you're going to be perpetually dissatisfied on some level, if not uh, chronically traumatized and um, unhappy in a way that's that makes you either depress your energy and then you're depressed or try to manage your energy and then you're anxious. And so the model is just saying there's a small self and you can upgrade to this more open mind instead of a small thought-based mind. There's an awareness-based mind. And from a small felt sense of a little mini me looking out of my eyes to a feeling that you kind of drop from head to heart You feel more open and interconnected the way you do when you walk in nature or the way you are when you're in a flow state um, doing an activity you love, um, like a sport or something like that. And that's your actual natural state. And so these uh, small glimpse practices literally just show you how to intentionally access and feel the difference between small sense of self, open, embodied, oh, I see, and then feel how you lose it or what triggers you back and then feel that when you're in this open field of awareness um, that has a loving presence, you can actually be with the contents not only of thoughts but of emotions, traumatized parts, uh, shame-based parts of you that you can now have the capacity to actually unburden them where from a small, smart self, you can't, because they're too strong, and so you have to keep repressing them.
1: Mm-hmm. And, I, and I know, I watched a video of yours actually before hopping on this call, and yeah. I know you had mentioned that uh, it can actually come up as well, say from the root yeah. or sacral, and this could yeah. be like part of your story, part of your trauma, part mm-hmm. of your, your morphic resonance in, in your genetics in a way, yeah. coming from past generations, you know, going back many, many generations even, and, yeah. and carry this as a human race. So it's almost as if it, it's a trying to mediate between the thinking mind, the over analytical mind, and then that lower uh, trauma in, in the lower chakras, say, and right. trying to find that center point, which is the heart, and mm-hmm. then operate from there. So do yeah. you find that a lot of people are dealing with that societal trauma, with that uh, with that resonance from you know previous generations, their upbringing, whatever it may be? It, do you, the first part of that is do you find yeah. people are dealing with that, and the second is what is the main modality you find that that helps them overcome some of that or at least break free of it briefly to see that there are greener pastures
0: yeah um certainly that that uh people describe it in different ways in some ways uh it depends on their map so some people may feel this like oh something's coming from my lower body and if they don't have a belief or a a, you know a map that says oh this could be past, you know trauma from society or from past lives or from, you know, they may just say it's just, well, it's just always been here. So whatever that is, it seems to be felt the same way. And whatever they describe um, seems to be able to be healed, uh, not from the small sense of self and not just the, uh, the emotional heart and not just the heart chakra and not just the physical heart, but literally like a heart-mind, which is like a door uh, or a space that actually opens up kind of behind you to what I say is like awareness has your back. And so that awareness then kind of connects you to a, you know, kind of a unity consciousness or a bigger intelligence that then comes and meets your conditioning from whatever, you know, levels that is. And then it's almost like you look out of the eyes of the heart uh, heart, mind, and you've kind of dropped, and you have this kind of almost feeling of being supported from something greater than yourself, that's not other than yourself. So it's not as if there's a. So um, I mean, we could do a you know a couple little, little uh, glimpses because that's the unique thing about this is that, um, that in this study, my can, my interest was can anybody, uh, access what's been called awakening in the middle of a busy life, or do you have to become an Olympic athlete of meditation, you know, go into a cave or monastery? And, you know, I found cultures and times that people had done it, you know, in the midst of everyday life. And then those practices I gathered, and now there's been hundreds and thousands of people who are in this process of awakening. And, and it, it tends to create a motivation to be, uh, you know, to be helpful and, to do social justice and to do your own healing, um, instead of like making you uh, like a couch potato or more passive, as if, oh, now I'm meditating, I'm very relaxed and you know everything's fine. It literally kind of engages you in more joy and and uh, when your suffering starts to be relieved.
1: Hmm. Is that similar to <clears throat> like a spontaneous enlightenment, like that brief glimpse that you can? You, yes. you make. Earn back to your busy, hectic craziness, but you have a glimpse through the window. Yeah. Yes. That, like
0: that Yeah. So some people have had spontaneous uh, awakenings, which, you know, they don't know anything. They've never studied anything. They've never, they're not even interested. And all of a sudden something will break through. And in some ways, when you look at what that was, it's almost like the small self got over, overwhelmed. Uh, so it let go or they got so relaxed and so connected to some loving Source or presence that it just allowed that natural awakening to come through. Uh, some people certainly have had glimpses through psychedelics and other things like that. And I, you know, a lot of the young generation that come to me have had these initial awakenings um, or different shifts of consciousness or seeing some other dimensions. And so, what I teach is kind of micro meditations rather than microdosing. So so once people have had a glimpse, you can have these little glimpses that are not quite as trippy, but do access the kind of love and interconnection and uh, sense of spacious, non-chattering mind, uh, um, well-being. And by doing small glimpses many times during the day, you start to be able to kind of get the results um, of a five-day retreat in five minutes. And then the even more important thing is you go from there right back to talking, typing, relating, creating from this new sense of self. And that's what actually uh, makes the neuroscience, that's what uh, gives you the new normal. Your brain starts to pattern in a way um, that it, it rewires to an awakened consciousness so you start to be able to live from this flow.
1: hmm that's pretty well said, yeah. I, I was running about it that I know for me in particular, I am overly analytical and my job mm-hmm. is like in a technical field, so it's, okay. I always think of my day-to-day routine as being like, uh, I have to maintain myself in the center of a wheel and if, mm-hmm. it's, if, I, if I get caught on the outer spoke of the wheel, I just right. spin and spin and my energy gets drained and by the end of it all, it's like what you were saying with sometimes where the small self, the mind, will shut down like an operating system. It'll get yep. overloaded, overheated, yep. shut down, and then it's that natural spaciousness ends up coming through just mm-hmm. by default because this is right. our default state of being. That's right. And all these external stimuli are just causing, it's just muddying the water of our default state. Yep. So um, that's it's right. very interesting how you describe it. And yeah. So just to uh, shift gears a little bit, I know you're sure. uh, a friend and a colleague with Lama Surya das.
0: Yes, that's right. I
1: wanted to, uh, briefly just touch on that, because he was on a previous episode, and I've spoken yeah. him a times, and uh, yeah, I just want to see how you two met.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, interestingly, um, you know, I had, uh, you know, a couple kind of spontaneous awakenings um, as a young person. One was actually in sports, kind of doing a, getting into the zone and into a flow, and then realizing oh my god how did I get here and then finding a way to do that Um, and when I did that when I was actually playing ice hockey goalie um, a sportscaster had said uh, on TV about a football game he's got eyes in the back of his head and I kind of went eyes in the back of his head oh I know that is but it's not visual and it's not like I'm seeing what's behind me let me see if I can do that and I literally started opening my awareness and my peripheral vision open so people can do that. And we kind of do that when we drive a car. But then I just continued around to be aware of sound at the side and then almost felt like, oh, how is that happening? My awareness is continuing around 360 degrees. And when it did, it just kind of dropped um, me into my body. And I kind of felt like a cat. I felt like, oh, this is it. I just did that intentionally. What usually took me um, you know, like playing a sport or doing something uh, in order to get there. Um, so then I was telling this to my teammates and one of the seniors on the team, I was like a sophomore in high school, threw me a book, uh, Zen and the Art of Archery. And so I thought, oh, well, look at this, this, you know, people are doing this and they value this and they do this. Let me, you know, start to study that. And so that led me to graduate school and to this, uh, fellowship that took me to Sri Lanka, India, and Nepal. And in Nepal, I met um, a Tibetan teacher who was teaching uh, the same thing uh, Lama Suridas uh, studies and teaches, which is called Dzogchen or Mahamudra, uh, which are these advanced practices, which are actually simpler and um, kind of the essence of all the practices. And so this teacher, within three minutes you know, had me shift my awareness and I went like, oh my God, this is the same thing. And I checked it out and so studied a lot of the same things uh, that Lama Suri So he and I met, and we both kind of endorsed each other's books and uh, become good friends because we're kind of Westerners, which there are very few that teach in this kind of way, kind of pioneers in this uh, way of uh, giving out uh, these kind of simple, what seem esoteric, but eventu- eventually they're literally this, take the same amount of time to learn these as to learn yoga or to learn, you know, basic mindfulness meditation.
1: Mm-hmm. And do you see like an evolution? I know, I know this was a while ago that you would have met him, but mm-hmm. do you, have you seen a progressive evolution or even a speeding up of, of the interest of, you know, people in society uh, mm-hmm. upon taking, taking this upon themselves?
0: yes absolutely i think it's um it's still a curiosity I think what's built is um yoga and mindfulness so and those are the preliminary practices uh to these uh to what Lama Suryadas Das and I teach um uh so you know so many people do yoga, which is relaxing the body and and then uh mindfulness movement has become almost like a research to show that it uh, allows you to step above and observe contents of consciousness to be show that you're not identified and attached to them, and these are classic preliminary practices. The next thing that we're doing, and that I do in this book, is kind of create a way to say, okay, the yoga, then mindfulness. Now, what I'm calling effortless mindfulness is opening to the awareness that's already aware by itself without your help, and feel like you're interconnected and trusting that you can then uh, talk and walk and speak from uh, a sense of self that isn't uh, having to go back to create a little manager all the time. Um, And just that little um, secret kind of, uh, there's a Taoist text called The Secret of the Golden Flower,
1: yeah, I've read uh, that. Yeah, it's
0: nice. yeah, and and so what is the secret? The secret is, they say, turn the light of awareness around. That is the sublime truth. And so what that means is literally, instead of looking out from the awareness at things, even internal things, external things, just feel like well, all right, I'm aware of this. I'm aware of that. Now feel, oh, I'm aware of that, and I'm aware of seeing. And now just feel, all right, but what's aware behind the camera? Like, is there a little me looking? Okay, well, what's behind that? And just by opening up, looking through the meditator, and there's different ways of doing that, or resting back, it opens up to a greater self. A a self first, it's like a no self. You're not this little self only. But then it's like, oh, look at that. This is the spacious open what's called open mind or open heart and there you are boom so it literally um can be learned you know in an hour and a half people eight eight out of ten people will get their first glimpse
1: Mm -hmm. and then from there they can begin to start operating or seeing through the heart is that is that the objective yes
0: yeah they 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 end up you know feeling like there's a spacious embodied and then open hearted, uh, view. Um, and then, you know, you lose it. And then, you know, the, the, uh, saying is no big surprise, just re-recognize. And then you learn how to just re-recognize and you do this, you know, small moments during the day. Um, and that's what, uh, starts to familiarize yourself. That's the Tibetan word for meditation is Translated as familiarize. So you're really just familiarizing yourself with this new normal, this awakened consciousness. And, you know, many people believe that's, Oh, it's not for me. Oh, you know, I'm not ready or, but, um, I've worked with people with severe trauma and they actually are able to recognize it. And not only that, but it's what they need because they access this greater capacity. Uh, To be with these parts of themselves that they can't bear from a small sense of self. So within sessions, they're like, oh my God, this is me. I'm back again. And I'm now with this part that wants to hurt myself. And I'm with this part that wishes I didn't have to deal with this, you know? And it's like, okay. So it opens this view um, and, you know, of, you know, from where you're looking.
1: Would that be called the witness then? Just allows that person to establish themselves as the witness. This is the true self.
0: Yeah. The, well, wit- the witness is kind of the first step. It's almost like you open to the witness. And then the next step is actually kind of unity consciousness. So it's almost like in mindfulness at its highest level called deliberate mindfulness is a witness. Um, uh, like a big sky that's aware of things coming and going. And then in effortless mindfulness, you realize, oh wait a minute, the sky that's aware is also within. Oh, and I'm aware of my body from within. Oh, and that that extends to being more like an ocean of awareness that's arising as me, the wave, and that connects to everyone else as the wave. So it's almost like small self, witness, unity. Um, you know, ocean. Go to go to like pinpoint sky, ocean. And then you're connected and flowing. You're in a kind of a, mm-hmm. a flow. That's actually the first time I've said it that way. Thank you. That was <laughs> that actually is a good little, you know, yeah. move from three metaphors, you know.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like a very step-by-step process to, to yeah. gradually take someone through it. I mean, I, I've, I, I've done m- many different meditation practices. Um, one of my favorite is it, it leans more towards a Dzogchen style yeah. or even a Zen Um, Just complete stillness. I Mm -hmm. like to watch treetops Mm swaying, bring myself to complete no thought in in those cases. Um, I've had, I've I've tried psychedelics and I have this very Mm -hmm. um, intense feeling. I tried an ingestible DMT before, which is like very long high. I've done the one where you smoke blast off. Okay. But um, this ingestible, which is almost overwhelming, that one, Mm. this ingestible, when I was just walking around, I had this sense of connectiveness where. The breeze that was moving through the air was mm-hmm. then moving through me, and it was all yeah. just in union with itself. Yeah. And I was just uh, almost like a, a code of, of uh-huh. some sort in an overarching system of code. Yeah. And, and just this, this algorithm of, of symmetry and geometry, and it was mm-hmm. all just, isn't it? And I couldn't really put a word to it just an, as an expression. And the only thing I could think is a love, a love expression or an yeah. expression of God, source, whatever you're going to call it. Yeah. But it just, it moves through everything. And I had this very intense feeling of this, the sense yes. of, um, and, and psychedelics really helps bring me back to that reality, yeah. because then when I come out of that, people will tell me that this is the reality and I right. <laughs> I, I question it, <laughs> you know, I, I basically have concluded this is one form of reality. yeah, uh, And that we choose to perceive it the way we do. Um, yeah. So I wanted to ask you, do you find that a lot of people that are older later in life have more yep. difficulty than the younger people in terms of coming to this realization?
0: Yeah, I mean, let me just say something about that, what you just said, which was beautiful kind of description of that. And, you know, those who feel safe and, you know, uh, that that's a doorway, certainly, um, you know, I just talked to one of my nieces who's in her 20s, and she just I just asked her how many of your peers are doing psychedelics. She said, pretty much everyone, you know, once in a while, well, not a lot of time, you know, just once in a while, you know, like, and, and so certainly that has to be acknowledged that that's a door. So these micro meditations are literally, like you said, it was an intense feeling of that, but that's kind of how I feel like on a low level, if you took the intensity and kind of spread it out thinly, you know, through, through the room or through the space, like that feeling of connection and love, okayness, non-worry, non-shame um, is, is, is what you can access um, as a daily um, kind of shift back to this more primary dimension of consciousness. Wouldn't that be great is what I thought. I thought, okay, if I can really find a way to do this that is safe and easy and daily – uh, that so that's been my uh, my interest is to uh, shift that way. Do you, do you want me to show you one of the yeah, little, sure, practices? Yeah. So this one is again I I kind of do many different doorways. So if this doesn't work for someone, there's other doorways. But the premise is that uh, the obstacle to this consciousness that feels interconnected and loving is just this cloud that's created by this operating system that's thought-based. So just to start to feel like um, there's this little mini-me that's made of thought, and what it's doing is it's trying to solve the problem. It's very innocent, so you don't need to, like, kill the ego or fight the ego, or you just need to realize, oh, it's it's just trying to solve this problem of who am I, what's going on, am I safe, am I... do, But it's talking about itself, from thought and it can't ever feel safe it's perpetually dissatisfied because it's made of thought looking for something to eat or to satisfy itself. So if that problem solver just relaxes, those who are listening might just feel the awareness opens up to what's behind that cloud and then just to feel the qualities that arise. So the simple inquiry is just this just to hear it with your mind and then look with awareness what's here now when there's no problem to solve and just take a minute kind of feel back and down and what's aware, where are you aware from? what was here that kind of is now absent or relaxed. And then what dimensionality or qualities of who you are come forward. So what do you, what do you notice?
1: Hmm. Every time I do something like, I I can very quickly get into those states. (laughs) It's almost, I, I end up laughing at myself. Yeah. I, I, I always just, it, it, that's, that's what I get back every single time, just a, a cosmic giggle. Yeah. <laughs> you know, anything that I think is an issue. Yeah. You know, it's a non-issue.
0: It's a non-issue because it's not, and, and so it's just showing that that little mini-me is just making, um, you know, the, you know, every little thing into a problem that could be dangerous, that could be threatening to who I am. But the who I am is a thought-based who I am. It's not even your physical Safety. Uh, So as soon as you relax, that there's a laugh like, "Well, what? What was I? Who? Where was I? What was I thinking? Who was thinking?" And then to start to feel who's laughing, and the quality of kind of spaciousness and ah, you know, relaxed being. So that then the question becomes for those. And, you know, those listening or watching can try this again slower and stop the video or audio and take your time when you inquire. Uh, Then be curious, okay, is this a state, a meditation state, when I discover what's here when there's no problem? Or is this actually me, to which now any other states actually are coming and going, including a state which kind of recreates, a little thought-based me that's maybe that's the state and this giggling <laughs> universal sense of freedom is the baseline of not a state, but actually the, 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 the natural condition. Mm-hmm. And that's the premise of these kind of Ma mudra that this is the natural, Mind, this is the source of mind, nature of mind, and all those others which we call me are actually just states that form into parts of us. Hmm. Um, and so, once you feel the you that has no problem, then you can say, Okay, now any problems, you're all welcome, come on back to me. And now, if something comes up, oh, yeah, what about this? Um, I'm so worried about that, and you're stay home and don't identify or Debate. Uh, you just go like, oh yeah, you're really worried about that. Wow, okay, it's all right. I can listen. I'm here. Talk anything you want. Yeah, I'm really worried. I'm just. I don't like the way the person talked to me. Oh yeah, that would. That must be, you know, upsetting. And you start to regard emotions like parts of you that are allowed to be any way they want. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a real acceptance. And then you unburden, and you find that the love now from the universal consciousness that you start to uh, be able to be with you know, any parts of you that are hurt or angry or terrified or rageful, it's like no judgment, okay, you're really rageful, okay, well, I'm interested, here, tell me, you know, so mm-hmm. it really is a, like a shift of identity.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and not getting identified with that emotion as it, as it comes up is very challenging for some yes. people. It's yeah. almost like looking at a very exciting roller coaster. The ego loves it, I'm sure. Right. <laughs> An exciting roller coaster. but like, should I get on that? It looks like it'll be a fun ride, but at the end, you're throwing up. <laughs> so it's yeah, right. not worth that's, it.
0: <laughs> that's right. So that becomes one of the, the things about state. So you do that, what's here when there's no problem to solve. Then you feel like, oh, there's no problem. Then you say, okay, now I'm going to wait here until, in fact, bring a problem on. And then you feel the pull to contract into that part of you that comes up and goes yeah that's right what about this situation and then you just stay in this effortless mindfulness loving connection but you don't collapse or identify and then you just feel the capacity so even if it's a lot of emotion there's just so much more space for it to go it's what i call shake and bake (laughs) so it starts to like shake and bake it's like whoa but like a roller coaster but you're also outside the roller coaster kind of watching the roller coaster and going like whoa okay there's some part of me that's riding a roller coaster but some part of me is the sky and some part of me is like this embracing love
1: mm-hmm. <clears throat> mm-hmm. and do you have any uh, have you done any studies in, into egyptian ancient egyptian mm. and uh, the reason i ask is because you seems you're heavily focused around the heart and the eye of the yeah. heart this yes. is very predominant in, in egyptian mythologies yes. and Everything. I mean even their embalming process for right. mummification, they would remove the brain from the nose, they'd keep the heart and right. very crucial going into the next world. Yeah. So did you do you have any background in studying that? I'm just curious. I
0: you know, I've done I've done uh, kind of a little with all the all the wisdom traditions and I know I know the Egyptian uh you know um cosmology and their practices and their mythologies are, you know, all what we have. I think we have we don't have as much uh, from from the culture that's been preserved in terms because some of it's in a language that hasn't been able to be translated yet. But certainly the iconography and the, as you say, the heart. Um, there's a story about the first um, the first uh, neuroscientists that went to Tibet to study uh, Tibetan meditation. They brought these big EEG machines and they you know, the ones that have like the caps with the little white nodes on them. Mm-hmm. So they had, at that time, it was like suitcases of machines that they brought. And then they they were talking to the monks, the young monks, and they were like, okay, we're going to study meditation to help people understand the shift. And they were all, okay, yes, we'll very love to do that. Then they said, okay, here's how we're going to do it. We're going to put this cap on and we're going to measure the... And they all started giggling. They were like... <laughs> "As they, and then then the scientists were like what you, you don't understand no we're going to measure the brain waves through these cap and they were like and they were like well someone say something what's going on I said what are you looking at this for the meditations here mm-hmm. Wh- what is that what, why would you look up there and so the feeling of you know uh the the seeing from being is literally that feeling that I do is one of my main practices literally look feeling that awareness is attached or identified to thinking and like awareness, like a globe can unhook and drop and feel your jaw from within your jaw. And then the center of your knowing can feel your throat, the dynamics, energy and awareness. And then you feel like awareness as your center, drops and knows your body, upper body from within, and then kind of opens or merges with this heart space, like the space within an atom in this open heart mind. And then you're aware of your heart space and you're aware from your heart space. Mm -hmm. And literally doing that, once you get, like that takes two minutes. I do it on a subway in New York City and it changes everything.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It literally re, because it, once you go deep within, it opens you up and connects you and then connects me to everyone on the subway. And then I'm literally looking around and just close my eyes and then open my eyes. And then other people start closing their eyes and like smiling. <laughs> it's just like a, mm-hmm. a another Vibration happens.
1: It's a practice on itself just to be doing that in the middle of New York City as well. <laughs>
0: yes, it is. And it's kind of a giving practice. It's kind of, they call it in, um, in uh, Tibetan Buddhism, Tunglin practice, which is called giving and taking from this heart space,
1: mm-hmm.
0: sending, sending and receiving, yeah.
1: Hmm. I, I lived in the city of Toronto for oh. uh, many years and now I'm just on the outside of it because I, I couldn't continue that practice uh-huh. much longer. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <You're kidding laughs> to me. Too many people. <laughs> it drives me absolutely nuts. Yep. Um, but I do appreciate that. So those yep. for sure. Uh, <laughs> so uh, just before uh, we hop off, I do have a few more yep. questions for you. Um, now, sure. what are your thoughts on technology and mm it seems to be so immersive now. And now we're talking about people are going to be putting in uh, electrodes into their brain that you've got Elon Musk who's created Neuralink and they're just going to start human trials. So it's just becoming more symbiotic with humans. Yes. Do you see this as an interference, a distraction, or do you Mm -hmm. think this is something that could aid the progression of, of awareness and awakening in in humanity?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it could aid um, in the long run. I mean, I think there'll be a lot of, you know, pseudo methods that end up, being misinformed or trying to override or make something happen that isn't natural. Um, uh, because even the neuroscience with the fMRIs initially started looking at just calm states and now they're actually realizing, Oh, the awake state isn't just the calm. That's the first one. It's actually what's called the synchronized gamma, um, and this balancing of the default mode network, which basically feels more like joy and love so it, it actually is dynamic and creative. The awake state isn't the calm part of the brain. It's the, it's the juicy kind of like, oh, my God. Sometimes I describe it as um, like, the kid, like the feeling of a kid on the first day of summer vacation is what you feel like when you do these glimpses. So, you know, there's definitely um, networks of the brain and parts of the brain that could be trained through technology, through you know, certainly biofeedback, neurofeedback, maybe uh, some, I know there's been some interventions with people who have epilepsy and other kinds of neurological disorders of implants or electronic, electronic, you know, interventions that have been helpful. So certainly not against that, but I think we can learn, um, you know, first of all, I mean, that's the project, probably Surya Das and I are on for the next intense, you know, five years and with this book um, to kind of train a group of people to um, be able to shift into this natural condition and live from it and then teach others. So it just becomes kind of a democratic, it's much more of a, not a guru style, but a, the advanced practices are democratic and kind of empower people to be their best yeah.
1: selves. Yeah. And do you think the, this, this notion of the guru is, mm. is starting to die off a little bit? Because mm-hmm. it tends to, it almost contradicts itself, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, I mean, I tend to think that I'm a little, because, you know, my, many of my traditions, the traditional traditions, of, you know, like Advaita Vedanta and, uh, and Tibetan Buddhism have a guru system, but, um, you know, the Buddha, Buddha Siddhartha Buddha, actually rejected the whole guru system and, you know, said, um, you know, begin and begin And his last words were like, begin and persevere. And, um, you know, the Zen saying is, if you see the Buddha on the road, kill him, which just means don't project uh, a guru outside. So there, there is that tradition. I think that, um, in the sixties and seventies in the West became a big guru Uh, culture of the search the guru system seemed to catch hold but you know most of them became cults and people ended up as dependent children looking up to uh, you know projection onto a parent figure that they were like oh there's the group my guru is awake and uh someday maybe I'll be but meantime I'll just worship their feet and now it's like okay The premise is the same awakening is equally available within each of us. So Mm -hmm. let's all help each other discover and flourish. And so in that way, we need to listen and be more sensitive to people's um, identities and cultures and different expressions and, and, uh, you know, adapt.
1: Mm -hmm. I've been listening to the, um, the diamond sutras for the past. Mm. Oh yeah. I listen to it I, I pretty much every morning, uh, and okay. I've listened to it dozens and dozens of times. And it, mm-hmm. it reminds me of when uh, Sabuti in, in in the sutras asks the Buddha about ta- attaining enlightenment, mm. and the Buddha's response is that if you are seeking to attain enlightenment, then you are a separate individual,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you identified yourself as a separate okay. individual identity that's going to seek that thing. So you mm-hmm. immediately. Missed the mark on that one, basically. Right, right. It almost sounds like what you're saying with the guru, and if you're if you're so focused up at something else, you're you're just missing yeah. the fact that that lies within you.
0: That's
1: it. Um, yeah, it's just really interesting because I find yeah. it, I find it very popular, especially with social media, because a lot of people will okay. follow all these different spiritual figures or yeah. these uh you know influencers and everything else, and they yeah. it's so visceral, so external to them. And it's, it's almost, they think that they put them up on a pedestal and I think it defeats the whole purpose, which, which yeah. is really the main reasons I have this podcast. One of the main reasons I have the Instagram yeah. page I do, because I, I need people to realize that within themselves, as opposed to constantly looking to these, you know, external yeah. influences, these individuals, and then claiming that they're, you know, they're the path and that they're going to teach them. But it's, it's, it really is a self-teaching. It really begins yes. from, within, you know.
0: Yeah. So I, ca- I came up with a little, a little line, you know, that the role of a teacher is to introduce you to your inner teacher.
1: Oh, that's nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I could make a quote for that and it would probably go viral. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay.
0: Go, go for it. Let, yeah. I'll do it. I'll
1: tag you. And yeah, <laughs> Okay.
0: Yeah. So that, that's really the, and, and even guru yoga ends up there. It's supposed to be, Oh, you start with a guru. Then you realize the guru is above their head. Oh, it's above my head. Oh, the guru is within. So uh, there's, you know, I think we can skip you know to the to the to the final uh truth you know in our culture. I think it's just a democratic culture it's a different time um and and to empower each- o- each other, yeah because there's that outward focus with uh media and with um seeking in general that's a you know all times in all places, but then now it's like, oh, let me listen to this podcast, let me listen to this." read this book. Oh, that, oh, there's a good information. I'll get more information, but it's like, so this whole practice book, the way of effortless mindfulness is saying, all right, turn your awareness around. I'm talking, but what I'm doing is saying, look that way and find that which is behind your mind, which is open and already peaceful, and isn't using thought. And then just be aware from there, back to embrace and embody, and then connect with everyone else. And literally that, that's the kind of simple map. Open into the awareness in the room, realize that, that, that you actually have discovered kind of an aware space or an open mind, then just be aware that that awareness is behind your back. And like an ocean of awareness, that's the, both outside and equally within, and then looks out of your heart and connects, is already connected to this experience, similar to what you were talking about, um, where you feel, feel this more loving, Uh, connected sense of well-being and you'll notice that the intelligence is on board because it's not like you've become dumb and numb that you actually go into what's often referred to as optimal mind of a flow state so somebody in a flow state who's playing a violin in an orchestra or an athlete is seeing everything everything's slowed down they're in the now they're able to access information, but they, ha- they don't refer to ego. They feel a sense of joy and they're connected and they're feeling the other people on the team or in the orchestra and they know what's happening, but they're not going up to thought to think about what they're going to do. They're in their optimal mind and it's very highly functional, but joyful.
1: Mm-hmm. And so
0: that, that's the thing that makes it really accessible in the midst of our daily life.
1: Yeah, it sounds super peaceful. It sounds like I want to be in that state right now. Actually, yeah, <laughs> it sounds really peaceful, really relaxing. Yeah. Um, So I don't actually have any other questions for you right now. But did you have any closing yeah. thoughts for anyone that's listening to this? That uh, or anything yeah. you wanted to just plug? Or I'm going to cl- include all links, everything, yeah. all re- okay in the, of the podcast, so you don't have to yeah. cover everything. But any yeah. closing thoughts for anyone's listening?
0: Yeah, I mean, this you know, just this has been wonderful to talk to you and to be connected to your your audience. Um, yeah, it's, it's that there are, there are learnable teachable tools available that have been passed down through generations and are now, uh, have been, you know, kind of reverse engineered into contemporary language and experiential practices. And that awakening is possible for you. Um, it's, you know, it's what can help our whole culture, and it goes right to the root of suffering, um, no matter how anxious you feel or feel like you're not ready for it. Uh, you can glimpse it and uh, give it a try. And you'll be surprised that um, it it's kind of what you already do with your free time. You probably go walk in nature. But what if you could do the same thing sitting at a desk in the middle of the day when you feel bored or worried or overwhelmed, what if you could just shift out of that and then come back? Um, And once you learn how to navigate your own consciousness in this simple way that takes a little time to learn but um, is not uh, difficult, it's not simple but it's not difficult, and then um, you have an opportunity now in this time in our day and age to live an open-hearted, awakened life.
1: That's beautiful. Well, actually, when you were saying that, it reminded me of another uh, psychedelic trip I had using yeah. uh, uh, magic mushrooms, psilocybin mushrooms, which I would consider a, f- a form of technology. Uh-huh. I was Actually, uh, I do meditations in the morning in, a, in my shower. and I have a shower mm-hmm. in the basement, and it's a stone. Mm-hmm. It's on stone, which mm-hmm. I think is really uh, helpful as well mm-hmm. for me to be deep into the earth on sort of a granite stone. And I had this sense of when the water was pouring over me, it was this, mm-hmm. this well, infinite well of love. Of like divine mm-hmm. love, and it's yeah. always pouring over all mm-hmm. of us, and it's up mm-hmm. to us to choose to nourish ourselves with it, yeah. to tap into it, yeah. to take that to mo- just that moment, just have a sip, yes, and mm-hmm. then to come back renewed and rejuvenated. And yeah. uh, I think I feel like that's more uh, deeply rooted in truth and reality than a lot of the you mm-hmm. know the things we do experience. So. Yeah, um, yeah, beautiful. Share that. I just yeah. had that thought when you were describing it. But um,
0: <laughs> that we'll sounds hurry. like a, a shower you can have most days of the week if you really yeah, yeah. once you learn once you learn that that you know the technologies work periodically. But there's literally a daily way to kind of fine tune
1: mm-hmm.
0: your consciousness to access that natural loving
1: presence, mm-hmm.
0: and it's, it um, yeah. it's a great great way I to mean, live.
1: I've had uh, the same meditation I'll do, and it takes. Sometimes I won't reach that state, you know, mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. I, sure. I can, sometimes I'll get there in fifteen minutes, twenty minutes, but it could go a week could go by, and I yeah. don't have that same sense of connectivity that um, you know something like a psilocybin mushroom will do. Right. But I think that um, doing those meditations is definitely a good glimpse into, especially mm-hmm. if someone's not interested in trying any drugs or psychedelics. Yeah, or, that's right. I, I think the natural state is there, and I think it just takes that practice and yes. the, the belief really is, is super important. Yeah. So Thank you for taking the time to have this. Sure.
0: Yeah. Cool. And I'll just, yeah. So just to say, yeah, that the, the, my new book's called the way of effortless mindfulness. It's a guidebook. It's really a practice book with these small glimpses. And um, yeah, then my website is, is just lockkelly.org, L O C H K E L L Y.org. So I look cool. forward to meeting some of you and, and great to talk with you today.
1: Adam. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Thank okay. you again. And I'll, I'll shoot you a message with all the links and everything just so you have it handy once it's up as well. Thanks so much. This has all been right. great. Thanks. Okay. Bye
0: bye. Take care. Bye.